It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. What's up, Buttercups? It is me, Brian McWilliams. I am here. I'm going to sit to this camera a little bit. There we go. I am here. I'm back from my uh, little Hawaiian getaway. I am exhausted. I'm uh, jet lagged for sure. Still haven't put all my clothes away, but here we are. Got to do the show. Got to give you guys what you crave, what you need, which of course is crowd health. Yes, I'm going to get the ad out of the way early, guys. If you are not familiar with crowd health, you need to educate yourselves because it is one of the fantastic options out there for people that believe in voluntary society, in paying your healthcare providers directly, not through ridiculous healthcare insurance companies, and in a community that is providing aid to each other, which is how crowd health works. Now, crowd health is not health insurance. I can tell you this for a fact. It is a different way of operating, wherein you have a community, you're all paying in, and you are helping each other out to pay medical bills. CrowdHealth negotiates on your behalf with your doctor directly. They pay for your medical bills. The CrowdHealth uh, community uh, voluntarily interacts and says, I will help send you this money. And really, it's kind of changing the paradigm of how it operates. And unlike health insurance, you're not going to get these crazy bills later on. Like I'm still dealing with, I think it was from when I had diverticulitis and I had to get an MRI on my belly from a tum-tum aches. I'm still getting, I don't even know, random summonses to pay things that I don't even know what they are. I don't know where they came from. I don't know why I'm still being billed for them. Crowd health is different. And the beauty of this is that you can go to joincrowdhealth.com forward slash lions. And I'm sorry, joincrowdhealth.com and use promo code lions. And you can get your first six months, $50 fee. That is a fantastic deal. So get in there, guys, try something new, avoid the headaches and a reminder, crowd health is not health insurance. It is a different, better way of dealing with your healthcare needs. Okay. So let's jump into the show here. Um, it's probably gonna be a little bit shorter. I'm exhausted and I still have to do a radio show later tonight. Uh, the Christmas show that I'm on usually or regularly. So I'm going to make this a little shorter, but basically it's been a hell of a week, a hell of a week for Canadians, <laughs> a proud moment. It reminds me of that South Park where they're showing the Canadian wedding, you know, making fun of the British. And uh, you've got the prime minister there of Canada, and he's talking about how the prince of Canada is coming up. Oh, the prince is coming up, and, and he's ripping his bride's arm off and dipping it in pudding, as is tradition here in Canada. Well, they have a new tradition. The new tradition is bringing up Nazis, legitimate Nazis, not Nazi-affiliated or Nazi-conjected or Nazi-adjacent, as you've seen some of the left-wing media try to spin this, but inviting literal Nazis that took place in the SS, you know, the the Jew-killing units, the hunting units, and uh, somehow this man, Yuroslav Holka, got an invite. Nobody thought maybe we should look into this guy's history and see what, what he might have gotten into in the past. No, let's invite him to take part in the Zelensky speech at the Canadian uh, parliament, you know, more feeding of assholes on assholes. And let's give him not one, but two standing ovations. Of course, it comes out later that he is a Nazi. And it's hilarious when juxtaposed with 
the rhetoric that's come out from Justin Trudeau with the entire, uh, you know, trucker convoy that was protesting COVID elements and authoritarianism in Canada. Of course, Justin Trudeau responded to that as he responds to everything with more authoritarianism, with derision and shut down the bank accounts, which is should be blatantly unconstitutional. But Canada's top court, <coughs> excuse me, I talked about this before, their Supreme Court, their version of it, found that his suspending people's bank accounts because they were protesting, which is supposedly protected in Canada's rights, well, that somehow was okay because it was done in the best interest. And, you know, at the time, they thought it was going to be something for the benefit of the country. So in Canada, your rights are essentially null and void. It doesn't matter. They can at any point just say, well, you know, we needed to do it. But in this circumstance, he had called them Nazis. Some of the more idiotic left-wing prime ministers, or I'm sorry, uh, members of parliament in Canada had gone so far as to say that the honk-honk slogan that the truckers had used was shorthand for Hail Hitler because, you know, H's and H's. And now you had, and also you have Trudeau calling them Nazis because they had satirical symbols of the swastika on there calling him Hitler. Uh, you know, talking about how the authoritarianism within the Canadian government in regards to COVID was akin to what was going on in Nazi Germany. You'll recall that, of course, the way uh, Gina Carano was canceled for comparing what was happening with free speech in America to Nazi Germany, and that's what got her fired from The Mandalorian, a show which I stopped watching immediately after that happened. But Trudeau has not come out and said, you know, I guess these people, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody waves at a Nazi here and there. Everybody gives, you know, a couple standing ovations to a Nazi here and there. Let, let, let the first Zig Hailers throw the first stone here. No, he, of course, is saying that this is disinformation somehow. A, a conclusion that makes no sense. This phrase has become a catch-all for the people in power, for the left-wing media, for politicians to try to explain away anything and everything that they don't want. You'll recall that, of course, Hunter Biden's laptop, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that was Russian disinformation. I'm trying to think the most notable one. There was just something very recently, and I'm just blanking on it because my mind is just so tired and uh, I literally didn't sleep at all last night. So I'm trying to remember what was what was called disinformation, misinformation very recently. That was one of the most ridiculous things. Probably something regarding Fetterman's outfits and wearing shorts and, and slovenly clothing. But it's fantastic to see the karmatic comeuppance for a Justin Trudeau-led parliament with a legitimate Nazi, giving them such a black eye that the uh, the Canadian House Speaker resigned over this. Resigned. Meanwhile, our House Speaker, we can't get to resign even though he his brain isn't functioning and he just kind of zones out and stares off into space. But the House Speaker, uh, whose name is Anthony Roti, I believe. Rota has stepped down. It was apparently his idea to invite this Nazi without vetting them. But it also is one of those things where I love it when stuff like this happens because it goes to show you the absolute incompetence of the governments that you're having your faith in, that these people don't even have enough sense. I mean, in elementary school, if they had a speaker coming up, if they were going to hire people to juggle balls and talk about how you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes, they've got enough smarts to do a little bit of a background check into, you know, what, what are these people doing? Where have they been? Are, are they Nazi youth? Not the Canadian parliament, not, not, not anybody in power here because they can't ever make mistakes. I, I'm actually amazed that this guy resigned. 
to be honest. I'm, I'm shocked that somebody in a Trudeau-adjacent uh, government, in any of that sphere of people, has enough resolve and morality to actually do the right thing and say, you know what, this is pretty fucked up. I should get out of here. But yet here we are. So next topic, let's talk about, we're, we're talking about Ukraine. So I'll get around to the Hunter laptop stuff in just a minute. So while the Canucks are feeding Zelensky, uh, one of the greatest robbers of our time, at the same time, we found out through a 60 Minutes piece that is being alternately, and this is, shows you the split between the critical thinkers, which is something that I've talked about before. Critical thinking is under attack from all sides, and this is by intent. You have the uh, say Brian Stetler, before he got fired and, and was sent off to the little piggy farm in the woods. Well, he had done an entire piece on CNN where he walked through a school, which I think was either middle school or high school, talking about this new program, which was a combination of government and news organizations that all had teamed up to go in and tell students that the mainstream media had to be trusted. It was the only source and how to spot, you guessed it, disinformation and misinformation. This is a blatantly obvious tactic to fight against critical thinking, to fight against alternative sources, to fight against anybody trying to find any alternative to the mainstream narrative that's being handed out by the government and then taken out like the Pied Pipers of Hamlin uh, to all the little rats so they can follow along and, and never question anything about the authoritarianism or the government narratives or what the truth empirically is. Because when the government tells you what the truth is and the media parrots the truth, well, that's the truth, right? So this initiative was formed in order to eliminate critical thinking and to cement in these children's minds, which is why you see all these fights to uh, try to stop people from having school choice and try to keep all the money in public schools, but to eliminate any sort of questioning of the official narrative. So coming back around here, we've got this Ukrainian 60 minute, the 60 minute story and, and the responses to it on Twitter. I was just talking with Odie and, uh, and Z. We were doing our Mufasa call for the 25 level supporters on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash lines of Liberty or lines of Liberty.locals.com. And we're talking about how the comments on this story, which had detailed what money was being spent on outside of the war effort in Ukraine. So on top of all the billions and billions and billions of dollars we are sending them to pay us back and buy all our lobbyists missiles and satellite systems and tanks and whatever else we're sending over there on top of all that, it turns out that we're also paying for small business subsidies, you know, because we, we got as U.S. taxpayers, we need to prop up the small businesses in Ukraine across the fucking world that have no impact on us in any way. We are paying for their first responders, which this is where you see the split. Half the people on Twitter, a.k.a. X, said, oh, that's great. We should be doing that. Now, these are the, the idiots. These are the non-critical thinkers. These are the people that will just rah-rah because it makes them feel good. These are the virtue signalers of the world who don't understand the economics behind these things. Those people are saying, well, what a wonderful thing to do. Because it's not that they're directly feeling the pain uh, in the way that they can see the money being taken out of their bank accounts and they're too stupid to understand that it's being stolen in other ways via inflation, by a, a denial of low cost of goods and services, which is a fallout from the Ukraine-Russia war, um, the 
inability to, to get fertilizers. Oh, by the way, speaking of farming, we're also paying to subsidize farms in Ukraine and farmers in Ukraine. Now, there's a litany of other things that we're paying for, too. But it's disturbing and disgusting to see where the government is focused here. While you've got inflation at home, you've got people not being able to pay bills. You get, you get, as I talked about before, the gas prices are skyrocketing and that's partially California's fault because of our ridiculous anti oil, you know, Gavin Newsom led cadre of shit heels. But you've got people suffering here. And while Bidenomics is supposedly being touted as this great success, the reality of the situation is people are, are working more jobs than they ever have before because they're working more jobs per person than they ever have before, a.k.a. people are taking multiple jobs. The Biden administration is counting those each as a job per, thing, per uh, person, which is completely inaccurate. You also have inflation, which has gone up for the past couple of years, something like 17%. I think now it's at 16.5. And Joe Biden and his administration are crowing about that. This is all horseshit. It's all being made worse by the situation here. And in the meantime, instead of trying to help people at home, which, and I, by the way, to be clear, I don't want them to send the money they're sending to Ukraine here either. It's still spending money. It's still inflating the economy and, and, and devaluing the dollar. It's still bad. But would I much rather them? be using that money to try to help people here domestically? Of course I would. I mean, they're propping up small business in Ukraine. Now, the irony of that is that in the current situation and circumstance there, while Ukraine has stripped away every real civil right, while it's conscripting its young men who are now you know, basically hiding to not have to go to the front lines, while it's taken away your ability to get a passport to leave the country, while it has banned the number one Russian Orthodox religion. Okay, well, on top of all that, I bet it's actually a great time to start a new business, a small business in Ukraine. You know why? Because there's so much other shit going on. There's so many other things being ripped away and blocked and taken and forced upon you that I bet it's a great time to open up a little store or start a business. Number one, because half the people that would have done it as competition are shipped off to the front lines to die in this pointless war that's a quagmire and will not be won by Ukraine. And the other thing is the government's probably too busy to have a lot of oversight to stop you from starting a new business. So the irony is that the money that's going to Ukraine is going to help those small businesses way more there than it would ever possibly help Americans here at home. Because here at home, we're still happy to fuck you in the ass if you try to start a business. It's kind of funny, isn't it? How that all works out. That's something I think I'll tweet about tomorrow from the, uh, the LP National account. I got to remind myself. I know I'll remind myself by listening to the podcast. How about that? Idea? Genius. All right. So anyway, there's that tasty nugget. Let's segue over. Let me see. What do I got my own list here? Let's segue over into, we talked about Canada. I want to go back to Canada again real quick. I had been reading from uh, Dr. Robert Malone's Substack about how Jordan Peterson now is essentially going into a uh, re-education camp. And the Canadian board of, uh, basically the medical board there, right? The same as we've got the uh, the medical board that provides you your certification to be a doctor, which is a monopoly. There used to be numerous ones. Of course, the government worked with uh, the American Medical Association to destroy the alternative. And now you have one monopoly licensing organization, which is why they hold way too much power. Um, why they can do things like threaten to take away people's licensing, license to plastic medicine if you don't go along and say that uh, ivermectin is horse paste, et cetera. 
So in Canada, their medical governing board is now forcing people who don't use the correct pronouns and operate within the ultra woke leftist guidelines, forcing them to go into re-education facilities to, you know, relearn how they have to act in order to be able to practice. So that means if you're, you know, in psychology, if you're in, you know, whatever field you might be in, if you violate these psychotic new rules that are ever changing, well, you have to go back to your re-education center where they, of course, will uh, beat you until you tell the prison guard when there's three light bulbs lit up that there are five light bulbs lit up 1984 style. So a fun little tidbit from Dr. Robert Malone, Substack. But I wanted to move on to, um, you know, talking about free speech, talking about this re-education in Canada because it ties into that. So in Canada, they are shipping people off to the gulags, as I said. In the UK... They literally, and you know, places like Scotland, they literally will come to your house and arrest you if you dare to question or say that immigration is not great. Uh, they will arrest you if you dare to call a policewoman a lesbian and you happen to be an eight-year-old girl with autism. You remember that recent story? If you dare post any sort of hate speech online on Facebook, even as a joke, they will come to your house, Gestapo style, and kick in your door and drag you away. This is the censorship that is happening in the UK. And shockingly, these people have not risen up and fought against it and overthrown their leaders. Now, the worry is that the United Nations, the uh, European Union, etc., is looking to ship this elsewhere. You already have places like Australia and like New Zealand that have very strict uh, rules in place for social media sites. Twitter is one of the, you know, in their targets. I think Elon Musk has just, just recently been involved in a court battle where they're trying to prohibit X from operating unless they go through and censor all these all this content, which is just an unbelievable burden to expect, by the way, from any fucking social media platform. The amount of money it would take to constantly be censoring that and deal with it is astronomical. And yet this is what these people are, are demanding. And again, for things that are ever-changing rules that are that, that censor free speech completely and which now the government can mandate and control what gets taken down at, at virtually any point. So the troubling part is that a real clear politics poll just got released and it is, is a real clear politics. I may have fucked that up. Let me see. I don't want to misrepresent it. Hold on. Let me go into this and check it really quick. It is, and this is from Glenn, 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 yeah, Glenn Greenwald had shared it. Yeah, real clear politics. 47% of Democrats say free speech should be legal, quote, under only under certain circumstances. 34% of Democrats say Americans have too much freedom. 75% of Democrats say government has a responsibility to censor hateful social media posts. And only 31% agree with the statement or strongly agree with the statement. I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend your death uh, to the death. You're right to say it. That's fucking horrible. The party that used to be the party of free speech, free love, everybody gets a say. Let's talk about this in a civil society. Now, 75% of Democrats think that the government, the government should censor social media posts for hate content. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to have to create an entire new bureau of hate speech? 
Great. Then who defines what hate speech is? This is always the problem. This is what these leftists constantly miss that drives me up the fucking wall. I've used this example before. I'll use it again because it's quite a perfect example. If this existed, if the government could control hate speech back in the days of slavery, they would have labeled any rhetoric that questioned the white man's dominance over the black man, any any speech that said that these black people had rights and that we were they were treating black people horribly like animals, that would have been considered hate speech. They would have labeled it as such. Why? Because it would have overturned society. We see it did overturn society. It caused the greatest you know, mass massacre of Americans in the history of the country. Um, obviously, split brother against brother, and we had all sorts of fallout from that. You know, it lost a lot of autonomy for the states. But slavery was ended. Not that that was even the goal of the war, uh, if we're being honest. But you see, and the government sees, the danger of free speech. And if you give the government the power to define hate speech, it will define it as whatever is most convenient at the time for the government. The fact that 75% of Democrats are too abysmally stupid or scared of hate speech. And again, I don't even know what, are you such a delicate flower that you can't take somebody saying nasty words to you? I personally don't buy the entire concept that uh, allowing free speech to flow online is going to lead to mass violence. If anything, what we've seen over the course of COVID, over the course of the last 20 years in our society, where these Democrats constantly are beating the drum for race, it certainly seems that the more you censor it, the more hate speech laws you have on the books and the more hate crime laws you have on the books, the more you talk about it, the more you, you teach about it in schools with critical race theory nonsense, the more the media parrots it that we're in a, already in a race war. Well, that seems to have led to a lot more violence. And not only that, but it seems to have led to a lot more violence in those isolated societies as well you were seeing a shit ton more violence in the black community of black on black crime. Why is that? I, I mean, I'm, I, I can't say definitively it's because of hate speech, but I'll tell you this. I'm sure that those communities are getting more insular, which means that they're probably not as likely to venture out, probably not as likely to seek out other friends, other opportunities that might take them out of that area where they're constantly being exposed to violence and an insular way of thinking that is, you know, as I said, last episode, based in victimhood, based in now, uh, you, you know, a, a sense of being owed something and a sense of hatred towards a specific race, a.k.a. white people, right? So circling back around here, what the fuck is wrong with people that they can't see what the government's involvement in any of this is going to lead to? Because it's been very clear through COVID, and it shows you that 75% of Democrats didn't learn the message from COVID when the government centered our, our speech, what was truth and not truth, even though the truth came out later. Of course, the government had been lying to us all along and censoring the, the facts. 75% of Democrats did not learn that lesson. And they are willing to walk the exact same path again and give government even more power to censor social media posts. I mean, can you fucking imagine I just told you, in the UK, they will come to your door and arrest you if you post something nasty on social media. That's what these people want. Don't think that they would stop at saying, you have to take the post down. No. They will 100% 
seek to have these people thrown in prison, fined, taken, take their kids out of their houses, labeled a bigot, fired from their jobs, etc. The left, the brains of the left work in a way that is, in my opinion, far more vindictive than any other political spectrum. Um, if you don't agree with them, you are the enemy. You must be destroyed. You must be ripped asunder. And you see that in how these policies play out. Now, what's interesting, and I'll actually, you know, let me talk about, well, I'll go to, let me talk about Hassan Minaj. It's interesting to see, and I talked to my bad people theory, right? How these people will never admit they're wrong in COVID because it makes them bad people. And everything they do, all the violent acts they undertake, trans activists are a great example of this. These, these people that are absolutely violent towards many women, many, I mean, just awful in many senses. These, uh, these more extremists, they believe that they are justified, that they're creating a better world. And so the violence is necessary, any ends to the means, you know, any means to an end. And it's funny in that I'm looking at what's just happened with Hassan Minaj, who was a stand-up comedian and actor, um, a left-wing hack. I don't think his comedy is in any way funny, by the way. It's just not funny. But because he is an Indian-American, obviously he's a man of color, because he is a, uh, very much on the left, he has been propped up and moved forward. They push him out you know, with Netflix specials. Of course, Netflix uh, notably has Chappelle, but is, for the most part, very woke network. And he had been on The Daily Show, which, of course, you know, is just the most unwatchable progressive drivel that has ever existed. So we had this special come out. And it just recently came out that the stories in the special, a couple of these stories in his uh, special, The King's Jester in 2022, the New Yorker found that he had made up stories. Now, every stand-up comedian makes up stories. Like when I do my comedy... I make up stories, right? Some of them are true, um, but you you do exaggerate, right? Um, you, I have this whole bit about being a serial killer, you know, and how I would, uh, it's not people that are dying of natural uh, causes when they, you find him in the closet like David Carradine and he's hanging with his dick in his hand. That's actually me going around killing people and uh, I just make it look like they've been autoerotic asphyxiating and that's why they call me the hanging wang strangler. Now, of course, I don't go around murdering people and leaving them in closets and, uh, and making it look like they died jerking off. But I also don't go out of my way to try to make people sympathize with me by telling a long-winded tale about how my young daughter is the reason I started killing people and making them look like they're mastering. Point being, you can exaggerate for the sake of comedy. You are not allowed to exaggerate for the sake of sympathy or to virtue signal or victim signal. And that is what dickhead comedian Hassan Minaj has done. The most egregious example of this was he had a told a story and I listened to a, this whole clip of this terrible, it's not even a good joke. And he tells this whole story about how he had been sent a packet and he was opening his mail and his little baby daughter was in her stroller and he opens up the packet and white powder came out and got all over. And he's telling this very seriously, like he's doing a Barbara Walters interview, right? You no, know, put the fucking Vaseline on the camera. It's time to cry with, with uh, Hassan Minaj. He's telling it. Oh my God, my little baby daughter, my baby daughter covered in powder. 
Okay. It says he takes her to the hospital and the doctor takes her away and he doesn't know what's happening. Oh my God, my daughter. And his wife comes in and she says, I can't believe, you know, you tell these jokes, but we are the ones that feel the fallout from these jokes. Oh, boo-hoo. oh my God. Can you imagine the terrible nature of people that would send a stand-up comedian? Oh, he's just telling jokes. Send a comedian anthrax and it got on his fucking baby. Oh my God. So that's all bullshit. None of that happened. But this fucking ass clown tells a 10-minute story all about getting the audience on his side, feeling so bad for him. How can America be so terrible? How can these, these MAGA white people send an Indian American colored comic anthrax just because they don't agree with what he thinks? Well, that's all bullshit. But because the currency of the left is victimhood, Stolen valor, right? Because this is stolen valor too. If you're thinking about somebody that's been through a traumatic experience, that's been sent anthrax or that's been through something with their child where they legitimately had to take their kid to the hospital for something like this. You know, for example, let's say in, in Syria, whether or not you think the attacks were a false flag or not. But in Syria, where you have to take your kid to the fucking hospital and the kid's dying of some sort of chemical attack. Well, that didn't happen to Hassan Minaj. But this fucker makes it up, steals the valor of all those parents who have had problems with their children and been panicked and terrified. He's stealing the valor of anybody who's experienced a legitimate attack because of their race, which are few and far between, by the way, unless you're talking about, um, you know, Black on white crime statistics, which you're not allowed to talk about, or else you get fired if you're a Harvard professor that's that happens to be black. But you're stealing valor from anybody that's legitimately had these problems. But Hassan Minaj considers that exaggerating. And when the New York, New York, sorry, the New Yorker called him out on it, that was his defense. That's a bullshit defense. Pathetic. Pathetic. But it shows you people like this hack, right? Who's not funny. He's not funny enough to make it as a comedian on his own right by being funny, by telling jokes that are actually clever or unpredictable. He made his bones by being a woke leftist shill. And the currency of woke leftist shills is victimhood. So he has to do this. He has to tell people, well, my because of the color of my skin and my politics, they tried to kill my baby. He has to do that. Because that's what's going to get him the fans. That's what's going to get him people on his side. That's what, that's the language. The language for me and you of comedy, as I mentioned, is unpredictability. It's of, of gut laughs of truth. This fucker had to make up a truth that was going to resonate with his crowd, which isn't looking to laugh, by the way, when they're coming to the news. They're looking to feel good about themselves because they're there, they're thinking the right way, and they're seeing a comedian that thinks the right way. And it's funny because it circles around to the Justin Trudeau, um, Anthony Rohde, you, you know, Yoroslav Holka shit. They stood this Nazi up there. He was invited in the first place because of the currency of victimhood. The Ukrainian people are victims, right? And I'm not saying that Russian invading is a good thing. They were victims of an invasion for sure. But it's also one of those things you go, all right, the leftists are playing this up. They want to stand this old ass Ukrainian up there and paint him as a hero and also as a victim, a victim of Russian aggression. And that's why you must continue to support Ukraine at all times. We can't cut spending because they are victims. Same shit. That turned out to be a fucking goofball Nazi. 
And Hassan Minaj turns out to be a goofball liar, but they're both using the same currency. Okay. I got to wrap this up. Um, Last thing, guys, Hunter Biden, perplexingly, I don't know who's advising Hunter Biden. Clearly, nobody that's ever had a good idea in their head has advised Hunter Biden, and that includes senile Joe, who doesn't have any ideas in this anymore. But Hunter Biden, oh, by the way, I forgot I was going to sing Hulka Hulka Burning Love. Hulka Hulka Nazi Love. Maybe I'll make that song for next episode if I have time. It's been a long time since I did a parody song. Hulka Hulka Nazi Love seems like it has to have one. Um, anyway, Hunter Biden just opened up into the lawsuit and he's suing Rudy Giuliani. And I think the owner of the laptop store where he left his laptop, even though they denied saying that Rudy Giuliani and this guy had uh, committed computer fraud, even though that from my understanding, the laptop reverts to the property of the store after a couple of years. So it's abandoned property right? Kind of like maritime law. You find an abandoned ship and he never came to claim it. And after a couple of years, it's this guy's. But regardless, the most ridiculous thing about the story is that they have this lawsuit. Why they're bringing it up now in the middle of a ongoing investigation or inquiry from the GOP into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's dealings with the Chinese, with the Ukrainians, with corruption. Why you would bring this up now to the forefront is perplexing unless they're trying in some way that this is Joe Biden's leading the charge on this saying, well, if we can somehow get a jury, right? Cause it's going to come to a jury. And, and that's where I'm terrified that it might actually work out for them because if they do this in Delaware or DC, which are very leftist, uh, you might get a jury of assholes who just hate Donald Trump and want Joe Biden to win. And thus will excuse Hunter Biden's corruption and say that this, that this laptop was fucked with. Because what his legal team's contending is that the laptop was left there, but it's it's not his laptop. Oh, no, sorry. They're, they're contending that they are not admitting that it's his laptop. And the funniest part of the story I was reading was that they're saying that Giuliani tampered with uh, and adjusted the contents of the laptop and what was found on the hard drives. And that somehow... The owner of the store, even though it was not Hunter Biden's laptop that was left there, and that's very specifically states it in this filing, they are not admitting that it's Hunter Biden's laptop. Yet they're saying that information from the laptop was leaked and given to the owner of the laptop store, and that then Rudy Giuliani came in and tampered with the data and adjusted and changed the contents of the laptop. And that's what came out. What kind of three fucking toddlers in a trench coat is putting together this lawsuit? I mean, it's so stupid. It's such an idiotic concept to say, I mean, the the leaps in logic and belief you have to take to say, oh, okay, so you didn't leave your laptop there where all the evidence points to that being the case, and it's almost incontrovertible. Now you're saying that the laptop, so you don't know where the fuck the laptop was. Somebody just got it, and then they chose to give it to this guy who owns a laptop store. For what reason? We don't know. And then somehow 
Giuliani comes in and this guy and Giuliani work to change what's on there, even though you'd be able to see the fingerprints of that with any forensic analysis, they changed what's on there. And that's what came out. Drop the mic, pound the gavel. Now there is a jury out there that's fucking stupid enough to believe this. I guarantee you. So it's going to be really interesting to see what comes of this. Anyway, that's it, guys. I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening. Please do hit the subscribe button, the notify button. We're on Rumble. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe just to Mean Age Daydream if you like. We've got the solo feed there. We've got, of course, the Lions of Liberty Network here where you can hear my show, John's show, and me Moore's on Fridays. And, of course, if you want to hear the upcoming secrets, lies, and cover-ups, we were supposed to do that tomorrow. I had to push it. I'm just too exhausted. We're now doing that on, I, I believe, the... 19th or no the 11th we're going to be recording on the 11th so get in the patreon get on the uh the locals community there patreon.com forward slash lions liberty or lions of liberty locals.com all right guys thank you and again most important thing you should do is uh is just share the show please do helps us a lot and give us some reviews on itunes and spotify if you would be so kind just a quick quick five-star review little quick write up one line two lines help me get my boner hard All right, guys, thanks from me, Brian McWilliams, your jet-lagged Hawaiian paramour uh, from the Lines of Liberty Network and from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.